Ladies and gentlemen, a very good evening and a warm welcome to yet another Red and Blue Review. Another Sunday, another defeat, and we're off again. This time I'm joined by a whole host of them out there. And um, first of all, great to see Ian Noble. Welcome back again, mate. How are you? Good evening, Nick. Yes, good evening, everybody. I'm very good, thank you. A bit tired after a long day in the Midlands yesterday, but all good, thanks. Good stuff. Uh, and producing the show this evening and on the panel is Greg Ellis. Nice to see you again, bud. You all right, mate? Yeah, evening, Nick. How are you doing, everyone? Um, and welcome for the very first time. He's a virgin. He's a virgin on the Red and Blue Review. It's Fergus Tid. Fergus, mate, I've been talking to Ian about having you on the show for many a moon. Welcome, 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 mate. Thank you very much, Nick. Yep, glad to be on the show. I was, actually, I was actually a special guest for the pre-season tour, but this is my official, yep, on the show. <laughs> oh, you're part virgin then. Sorry, my mistake. Part virgin, yeah. <laughs> How impressive is Fergus's background, everyone? I mean, that is something special, isn't it, everybody? Guys, what's written in the chat? Special yeah. background. Very good. And I think what you can't... Can't see he's because he's given us a bit of a, a guided tour in the background. Is is it's much more than what you can see on screen. There's loads more on it in his little cave, in his house. And welcome, and of course, and better late than never. Welcome the ledge. Good evening, Jimbo. How are you, mate? Very well, thanks. Good evening, everyone. Can't hear Jim. Oh yeah, there he is. Yeah, it's all right. I can see you yeah. Okay, first of all. Uh, straight away in the chat, uh, there's something I want to say. Uh, Turnsky Tankers, it just asked a very quick question, and it's relevant, okay, to who's not on the show this evening, is Mittal Patel. Uh, people have been asking me recently, where is Mittal? Well, let me tell you, ladies and gentlemen, Mittal Patel is he's all well and good, and I've been talking to him only this afternoon. He promises to come back on the show very, very soon. He might even make a guest appearance tonight, but... Uh, he wanted to he wanted to say send out his love to Jordan Ayew because I know he's watching right now. Uh, those of you who don't remember uh, Mittel's last appearance on the show was very very much focused on our friend Jordan Ayew and Jordan's appearances and everything else. But there you go. Uh, so uh, Mittel, if you are out there, pop on, mate, come and say hello to everybody because we miss you and we want you back on the show. Um, coming up on this evening's show, we're going to have a look at the how the other teams have done over the weekend. Uh, how the uh, how the lone players have done. We're going to be catching up on what happened yesterday and quite a, quite a long and lengthy discussion about the back of house at Sellers Park. Remember, you can find us on uh, any time. Go to our website, redandbluereview.co.uk. You can look us up on YouTube. And if you are watching us live on YouTube this evening, good evening and welcome to you all. Thank you for joining us. So we'll kick off this evening, boys, if you don't mind. And we're going to start off with having a look at the other teams and how they've fared over the last few days. The under-18s played yesterday away at Tottenham. And sadly, it was a 4-2 reverse for them. Um, coming up next for the under-18s is next Saturday, where they're at home at the Crystal Palace training ground to the Arsenal under-18s mob. OK, the under-21s fared a little bit better. They were also away at Tottenham and drew 1-1. Adamola Ola Adimoni equalised in the 47th minute with a left-footed shot from the centre of the box into the bottom left-hand corner. Big news on that one. Nathan Ferguson played the first 63 minutes with no injuries and trained with the first team all week. So that's three games on the three weekends on the bounce that Ferguson has been around. So hopefully he'll be pushing for 
a, play, a place on our bench, on the first team's bench very soon. Um, their next game, uh, sorry, today was the under-21s. They played uh, away at Everton in the Premier League 2 and they uh, they won 1-0 away. Uh, Victor Akinwali scored a header for Palace from close range into the bottom right corner on the 79th minute. Uh, the next game for the under-21s is on Friday, Friday the 17th of March, where they're at home to Arsenal <laughs> The women, however, sadly uh, suffered a 3-0 home reverse to Bristol City women at uh, Hayes Lane today. I let your girls go again next week. And when they go again next week, they are away at Bramall Lane where they play uh, Sheffield United at 2 o'clock at Bramall Lane. So that's the ladies. Uh, what about the loans? How, how have the loans been getting on? Uh, Jez Raksaki, he played a full match for Charlton but didn't score in a 2-0 away defeat at Plymouth. Uh, Daniel Quick played for Bill Ricky Town in a 2-0 win at Herm Bay. Killian Phillips started for Shrewsbury and played 87 minutes. And Rob, Rob Street came off the bench in the same game, in the 80, 80, also in the 87th minute, and the draw against Derby County. Jake O'Brien played 90 minutes for RWD Molenbeek in a 2-1 defeat. And I think the funny one from the, the loans is Jack Butland. Jack Butland, yet again, didn't even make the bench for Man United against Liverpool today. I reckon they should have played three goalkeepers up there. and They probably would have still lost that game. Scott Banks came off the bench in the 68th minute and scored uh, in a 2-0 win uh, for Bradford, uh, home to Colchester United, Colchester United. And finally, John Kamani gordon came on from the bench at 82 minutes uh, for, a, for Carlisle United in a 2-0 win against Grimsby Town. So that's around that from around the club. Uh, how, how the loans are doing and how the other teams are doing. Boys, where should we kick off with? Uh, Crystal Palace is still waiting for their first Premier League win in 2023 after Joachim Anderson's own goal saw them fall to a narrow defeat at Aston Villa. Ian, you were at the ground yesterday. First of all, before you go into your match review, I've got a couple of questions for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, the social media world and mainly Twitter uh, seems quite negative. Although Twitter isn't toxic, it's extremely negative. Uh, and there was talk about booze on 90 minutes on the final whistle. Uh, there was booze. There was also talk about a very poor atmosphere in the ground by the away supporters. How did you find yesterday? Yeah, I think um, the the first point, I didn't hear booze at the end. Um, I left pretty promptly because I, I, I was trying to get a train and get back to New Street. Um, so I left right at the end on the final whistle, but I didn't really hear many boos. Um, I think as far as the away support is concerned, we, we had two tiers yesterday, which um, I'm not sure we've done in previous seasons recently. So it was a really good turnout of Palace fans. You know, I would suggest a good 3,000 there yesterday. But the, sometimes when you get two tiers, you don't get the atmosphere, you don't get the singing. Um, and I think our away support was pretty average yesterday if I'm honest that's what that's how I would assess it um I saw that game live Jim did you manage to see the game you see only see a couple of minutes of highlights um where are we actually lacking apart from putting the ball in the back of the net where where would you say that you you feel that we're lacking well you've the nail on the head there goal scoring but at the same time you've got to create goals and I don't think at the moment we look as if we're actually going to score or we get the odd chance. Um, I think, it, I don't know, the, the City's 
He keeps changing things. I mean, I've, I don't think he's got any real idea what his best team is. I mean, he's got two centre-forwards that I'm sure he would give anything for, for one of them just to start scoring one or two goals. But because they don't score goals and they don't really contribute much either, you know, like if one was holding it up like a Harry Kane and bringing people into the game, then you might say, yeah, we'll keep playing them. So I think he keeps changing things. You know, one minute Elise is on the right, and then he's up front, and then he's maybe over on the left, and then Ezzy's in, and then Ezzy's out. So we're just not playing well. You know, we're nowhere near the team. I mean, we've said it many a times. The, the one change in the team over the summer was losing Conor Gallagher. And it only takes one player that, that fires everybody up, and he was that type of guy. And we just seem to be missing that in the middle of the park. I mean, it's not just up front. You know, all over, we're not performing the, how we did last year. And, uh, and the more you go with not winning games or not getting the odd result, it starts to become a little bit harder and people start losing a little bit of confidence. And you're looking at one another thinking, where's the next goal coming from? So it's a, it's a tough season at the moment. And looking at the next three games, it's not going to get any easier. Yeah, which we're going to come on to in great detail at the end. Ferg, I'm coming to you, mate. Jim's saying that we've got strikers that can't hold the ball up and bring other players into play. We're missing the Conor Gallagher effect in the middle of the park. Yeah. Anything else that you can think of? No, well, I'm, I mean, if you just compared Gallagher to the two midfielders that we've we've signed, the Conga and the Hamada, the, the difference is, is striking. I mean, Gallagher, you know, he scored goals, he's, he's got assists. Um, neither of those two midfielders have contributed in any way so far. Lukonga does look pretty decent on the ball, um, but he's not creating anything. Um, I agree with the, the chopping and changing of the team. I mean, continuity, that's what we need. I, I feel sorry for Edouard because I actually think he's a pretty decent striker, but he needs a run in the side. He needs four or five games. And OK, if he doesn't score in the first two or three, you know, so be it. But it'll build his confidence up. And I know Vieira was kind of having a dig at him last week sort of saying that, um, you know, hopefully it'll, you know, light fire under his backside and fire him up. But that, it can only do that if he plays. So, you know, it's 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 a bit of a strange one. Um, and, yeah, I mean, I was looking up the stats for, for Palace as a, as a team in the Premier League. And our, yesterday, I thought our passing was poor. I thought our ball retention was poor. Um, now... The average EPL for passing in our own half is 189, and we're 176, so we're down on that. Our passing in the opponent's half is 184 in the EPL average. We're 147. I mean, we're way, way down on the stats, and that that just explains pretty much everything that we need. We've been seeing on the pitches. We just can't score. We're not creating anything. We're not. We're not passing the ball. We're not, we're not creating any shots on target. I think that's the second game. Is it in a row that no shots on target? It's four in total. Yeah, <laughs> it's 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 just really poor. And and what I don't get is Vieira sort of says that the fans know who we are and um, they know where the football club is going. It doesn't feel like that. I'll tell you, I'll hold your thought on Vieira because we're going to do lots on Patrick later on. Okay, Greg, very quickly over to you because um, listen to what the boys are saying. It's all over the park that we're missing. Anything that you can put your finger on? 
yeah look it's it's difficult to disagree with that you know you know the 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 for me yeah the the omission of Conor Gallagher is is critical you know I know a lot of Palace fans are maybe split you know whether we should or shouldn't sign him or tried or not I think it's evident this season that 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 to me like that's a major part of that side and all I all I can really think of is if Conor Gallagher was still in the side and played the rest of the season with the additions of Dekure what kind of season would we have had you know I know I know that's impossible to determine but I think we would all be feeling a lot happier wouldn't we the the point I wanted to make before before I go on to the team selection that was that was really what I was going to come in with. Uh, I appreciate there's the stat that we haven't had a shot on target for X number of games, but we did get a goal ruled off for VAR. To me, that obviously gets ruled out, but that is a goal or that is a shot on target. Mateta <laughs> Mateta's hit the bar. Mateta's had a good save from Pope against Newcastle. So. I don't. I feel slightly misled when it, you know, and, and I don't know if that's like a um, media-driven, you know, narrative that they want to go down to try and sort of pigeonhole Palace. But I, I'm, I'm more positive than negative. But I'm, I'm just going to bring up the slide for the starting eleven, and I'd, I'd like to put it out there to the audience first, and then the panel of how confident were you on a scale of one to ten with this team. I mean, when that was first announced yesterday afternoon, I'm going to jump in there. When that was first announced yesterday, maybe with the slight exception of IU for Edward, I thought to me myself, do you know what? There is certainly a point available there, if not three. That was a strong lineup. Um, I don't, Ian, your thoughts? Yeah, um, the, the the mood in the ground in the bars when that team was announced at two o'clock. Um, we probably only found out about 10 past two because their internet con- connectivity in Villa Park is worse than Sellhurst or on a par. Um, so um, once we found out what the team was, most people are going, that looks really decent. You know, really pleased with that. You know, Zaha is back. Fantastic. Um, Eze is selected. Um, ironically, we were sort of screaming out for Eze to be picked when Zaha was injured. Now Zaha's back. Eze gets a place as well. They were in for Mateta and Schlup. Schlup, interestingly, wasn't even on the bench. So whether he picked up a knock, I haven't heard anything about that, but he could mm. well have picked up a knock. And and Matessa was the one that, that uh, was, was sacrificed. Um, and yet he still managed to get on the pitch at the end, uh, towards the end of the game. So, yeah, overall, I'm saying, you know, a very positive response to that lineup. Um, you know, I don't think we could have asked for much more, to be honest. Okay, ladies and gentlemen out in the chat, and I can see all your comments going through. Good evening to each and every one of you, uh, and welcome to the review. Uh, I see all your comments, especially leading towards Patrick Vieira. Um, We're going to do that in great detail towards the end of the show. Um, I think my, my honest opinion is, and we will come to this later on, is with the selection thing, I, I do feel how Vieira does have a favourite or favourites, and I'm quite happy for you in the, out in the chat to criticise me on this, but are you starting week in, week out? It doesn't sit right with me. Um, anyway, Ian, move on to the uh, your review of the match and we'll come on to the selection and the rest of the stuff behind the scenes uh, when you're complete. Yeah, OK. I mean, I've seen comments in the chat about starting with no striker, we can't be serious. Um I think I think it's a fair point, um, but Wilf is that striker. You know, Wilf was the one that was having shots. Wilf was the one that got the ball in the net, albeit marginally offside. 
Um, you know, the shot he when he swiveled, when he had three players around him in the second half and he swiveled, um, they even showed that on match of the day. He wasn't far away. Again, it's not a shot on target. But when we haven't got Edward or Mateta playing, Wilf is that outlet that's more likely to score goals than anybody else. So let me just say that at the top. Okay, so we're going to this um, game without a victory in eight. Okay, that's the glass half empty analysis and stat. Um, of course, now it's nine games and we've only scored four league goals in 2023 uh, and none of those in the first half. So the stats are pretty damning. Um, early on, Villa um, came at us. They had a, the first chance on goal. Um, before we put the ball in the net. Um, I think we were just talking about this pre-show, Greg, weren't we? I thought we were just so unlucky with the goal. You know, you know, VAR is there. We know it's all part and parcel of the game, whether we like it or not. Most of us don't like it. But there it is. Um, and the irony was, it was a great ball by Eze, by the way. You know, it was about the best thing he did in the whole game. Um, but Wilf, you know, you can just see he's marginally offside there. But the irony is that had he checked his run and, and started a bit later... And so kept himself onside, he still would have got to the ball because he had acres of space. You know, he out-sprinted the Villa defender. I don't know who it was, um, the number four, I think. And he, he absolutely roasted him and was rounded the keeper. And it was a, he took it really, really well. So to have that ruled out for that offside was just so disappointing. And you just know in the ground, those of you that are in the ground yesterday, you just know that it's going to be ruled out the longer they look at it. And... They looked at it and they looked at it and it seemed to take a bloody age. But when they did give the decision, it wasn't a surprise because it just took so long, you know, for them to make their mind up and draw the lines. Um, when you were watching it on the screen, Ferg, what were your thoughts about it? I thought it was it was pretty tight. I actually thought it was, well, like you said, Ian, the longer it went on, the more you start to think, OK, it's not going to happen. But it's, it's frustrating because... You know, back in the day, the rule used to be the advantage to the attacker with the offside rule. And now it's just, you know, that's gone out the window now. It's just so precise. I mean, it looked like it was a bootlace or something yeah. silly like that, that, you know, it was so, so tight. And the whole, I guess if I was a Vela fan, I'd have been really upset if it had been given. Um, I'm not, I'm a Palace fan. So, <laughs> yeah, I was a bit peed off. But, but it is frustrating because I think, you know, football's, it's an entertainment game and when it's getting down to micro millimeters as to whether somebody's offside or not it just it just seems a little bit daft but yeah i i totally jim um how, how would you have dealt with var in your day do you, do you know, do you, do you know do you... here we go here we go <laughs> what would you have thought what well, i don't know it confuses me at the moment i i think it's Personally, I think it's all right for offsides because, in theory, that's black and white. Wolf was offside. The law, the letter of law says that if you're in front of the guy, you're offside. And he was. And going back to your little comment, if he'd have been a regular centre forward, he wouldn't have run offside. He would have checked his run a little bit because he did have lots of room. And I actually watched it and I thought, he's just, just hold. And the minute he went... I could see he was offside, and and I think that relates back to him not being a, a regular centre forward. He plays most of the time on on the wing, yeah. And he had tons of room and tons of space, and and at the moment he's he's the only guy that's that's going to score goals for us. 
yeah. I don't know how I would have dealt with, with VAR. It's, it, I, personally, I think it's ruined the game. You know, penalties, nobody knows what a penalty is these days. This stupid comment like hand is in an unnatural position. How can it be an unnatural? Unnatural is when you stand there with your hands behind your back. That's unnatural. But they're saying, well, that's what you should do. It's just ridiculous. But it was, always, just, uh, it was always ball to hand. It wasn't yeah. handball, wasn't it? Ball to hand. Roy, Roy Hodgson said a few years ago, penalty is when you deliberately handle the ball. If you don't deliberately handle the ball, unless your arms out wide out and you're on the goal line and you stop it with your hand, so even if you're not actually trying to stop the ball with your hand, you just your body takes you in that shape. But in general, it's, it's just... Yeah, I, I, I saw one on match of the day. I can't remember which side it was, but the, the defender was lunging in. And as you lunge in as a defender, you sort of open your arms up to, to get your balance, don't you? And it struck his arm up here and it was given as a penalty. Um, well, if you but, walk down the high are. street, if you walk down the high street and trip over, what's the first thing you do? You stick your arms <laughs> out. You're not just going to put your hands behind your back and fall on your face, are you? No, so they, got, you're right. You're I don't right. know what idiots give us rules, but they are idiots. I think they've never played the game, Jim. That's what it oh, is. Oh, 100%. 100%. never played the game. No sensible person would ever say your hand's in an unnatural position when you're sprinting and running and jumping and diving. It's just stupid. Yeah. Ladies we're, and gentlemen, we're all in agreement with you, Jim, on that one. <laughs> before I hand over to Greg, I'm going to, Greg, I know you want to make a point, but ladies and gentlemen, for those of you who are new to the show, Fergus, you may not have seen it, Please go back into the archives of the Red and Blue Review and look up the words Jim Cannon and referees and find out what Jim Cannon really thinks of referees, okay, because it's one of the funniest moments on the in the history of Red and Blue Review. I'm not going to get him to do it live on the show again, but it is absolutely outstanding and well worth a visit. Greg? I was just thinking, uh, is, is there any distinction, is there a clear distinction in the FA between handball and deliberate handball? Because I feel now, like just touching on what you're saying here about um, ball to hand, is I always felt that there was a distinction of handball and deliberate handball, but now, now there isn't. It, it, it's just, if it hits your hand, it, that's it, it's too late, you're done. Yeah, absolutely. There is I, no I, distinction. I, there is no distinction, Greg. Yeah, um, I, just, I just think that's so unfair. Mm. Sure. The, the one I always think about, and it is pre-VAR, was um, first game back in the Premier League against Tottenham Hotspurs and Dean Moxie. Yeah. We lose, we, we lose 1-0. I just remember sitting that in the stands looking at that going, yeah, how can you give a handball for that? And, and yeah. you know, years down the line, we have had penalties that are, are, are very fortunate, I think. Certainly one at Old Trafford, I can recall from a few seasons ago, that was, uh, was pretty, uh, you know, pretty... Dodgy, yard but, outside yeah. the box. <laughs> um, the, the other, I, I, just want to, I just want to pick up on uh, a comment in the chat, guys, if I may. Our friend Facebook user, um, Lino didn't think it was offside. Uh, my view should be onside. Any part of your body is level, uh, would make the game more exciting, plus more goals. Anderson was unlucky, had to make that tackle, but anywhere but there. Um, okay, um, I think you know we're not going to change the rules on the Red and Blue Review, but it's great to have those opinions and views. I think we're all agreed that we should have a distinction between deliberate handball and non-deliberate handball. That ain't going to change in a hurry. And also offside, we'd far rather see the the attacker level being given as onside. But again, that's not going to change in a hurry either. 
Um, shall I go on with the game, Nick? Just for um, is that all right? Yes. Okay. Fine. Yeah. Of course. <laughs> so, yes. I, I think one of the problems we had in that first half was the the Villa wingbacks um, were were playing really high up the pitch. Um, not just Matty Cash on the right hand side, but also on the left. Um, and the guy I can't remember his name, but he was, he was no, signing. Uh, that's right. And he was causing his problems on our right hand side as well. Um, before Cash got the ball over for the for the goal that we've already touched on. Um, there was a couple of other occasions when there were warning signs when he was played through. And um, Tarek Mitchell has got to do better than he did in defending his, his, his opposite fullback. He's got to do much, much better. And he was way off the pace for when uh, Cash got the ball over for his assist. Um, and it was an unfortunate own goal. Um, people around me in the ground were saying, um, Anderson's got to do better than that. Um but, Jim, you know how hard that is as a central defender yourself to defend those balls when you've got a centre-forward breathing down your neck. Because Ollie Watkins, if, if Anderson doesn't touch that ball and it goes past him, Watkins scores, I think. Um, so, Ferg, you wanted to make a point. And I just want to bring in Jim and, and get him to comment on that own goal as well. So, Ferg first. No, I was... So, just on the Anderson, the own goal, I just, I just think he's running back towards his own goal. Watkins, he knows very well that Watkins is directly behind him. If he doesn't make contact with the ball, it's going to be a goal anyway. I just think it was unfortunate. You know, it, was, it just ricocheted off both his legs, I think, and past Guita. And there wasn't much he could do about it, really. I mean, I wouldn't blame Anderson for that. He, was, he wasn't deliberately trying to put it in the back of the net. He was, of course he was. Of course trying to clear his lines. But, you know, <laughs> these things happen. Indeed. Jim, have you scored one like that in your time? Uh, probably, <laughs> probably. I would. I've scored a couple of good headers flying <laughs> in the back of the net that should have gone over the bar, but ended up in the top corner. Uh, listen, it's it's one of them situations. Ninety percent on goals are mistakes. Somebody slices a ball and it flies into the back of the net. He went for it with his right leg, missed it, it hit his left leg, bounced off his right, and went in the back of the net. In theory, it could have gone anywhere. If he hadn't have dealt with it, then um, the other lad would have scored. But, uh, yeah, it's one of them things, isn't it? But it's defining because we're not scoring goals and when they're 1-0 up, you think, that's it. Are we going to get a draw or are we going to lose? Indeed, indeed. And, you know, when goals are so few and far between, you're right. And if we think that as supporters watching the game live just wonder what goes through players minds you know is there is there a psychological element of saying right we're one nil down you know we're never going to get back into this now or I, I didn't see it yesterday i thought we carried on playing our game i don't think it affected us that much mark gay he was asked that question in his post-match interview and he said you know it didn't really affect us that much you know we just carried on um and executed the game plan um and in the first half, um, I think we were a bit lucky, actually, to go in only 1-0 down because Watkins had another really big chance just before the break when he was fed through and he was one-on-one. -on -one, I think he was on the penalty spot and he, and he screwed it wide and he hit the outside of the post. Now, for a striker in form, that was really unusual that he missed the target. But I think Vincente Guita needs to take some credit because he came out and made himself big which meant that Watkins was trying to get the ball past him and he went past the goal as well. So we went in 1-0 down and, um, you know, thinking, 
actually, we could probably get back in this. You know, we're not out of this. All the time it's 1-0. You've got a chance, haven't you? Um, on to the second half. The most defining moment then came, you know, after about an hour. Um, Dukure gets a first yellow on 57 minutes, I think, for a bad challenge. Um, this is a player who's got eight yellow cards already this season. So this is his ninth he's picking up. Um, if he gets one more in the next game, he would miss two games. Um, but five minutes later, he does the same thing again. What's he thinking? What is he thinking? <sighs> it annoyed me, really, because I just think that a player needs to... I don't want him to pull out of tackles. Of course I don't. But he's got to be thinking a bit more about, you know, if I do another one of those, I'm off. You know, so he's got to take it a bit more carefully, hasn't he? Thoughts on that, guys? Would you yeah, would I, you agree I, with me? I think I, there has actually been some chat about this in the in on Twitter today with reference to what are the consequences of that red, red card. And there's a couple of schools of thought here that I'm going to give you. Um, yes, he got his ninth, okay. Uh, and technically he got his tenth, but he, he did. It won't, it, but it won't count as his tenth because it is actually the second yellow card equals the red. So Will he be actually suspended for the next game? Twitter was absolutely divided on it today. Some people were saying, yeah, of course he will, because he's now got 10. Well, uh, the other side of Twitter was saying, actually, no, he hasn't. He's got nine and a red card. Okay, so if he gets suspended, we don't know. Uh, obviously, he'll get suspended for one game, but whether he'll get two-game suspension, I don't know. That's the one side of it. The other positive side of it, and I think Jim made the point earlier about what we're missing in the way of... Uh, somebody with a bit of fight like Gallagher in the, in the centre of the park. The other positive about it is I actually think they'll be bringing Jimmy Mack back on or certainly Hughes to replace, OK? But maybe Jimmy Jimmy MacArthur possibly as a substitute. We don't know, but they will actually now start using him because they've got to use him, OK? So uh, whilst it's not, not ideal that he's going to miss one or two games, it's going to be the situation where at least we're going to get to see What's what's the state of play with Jimmy McArthur? Yeah, I can yeah. answer your question for you. I think this is the the right um, the right call. But if anyone disagrees, then say so. Of course, um, there's a good article in on the Athletic, uh, as there always is. It says why Crystal Palace's check to Kure will serve a shorter suspension after red card quirk. Okay, the red card trumps his two yellows. Therefore, it's a one-match ban for two yellows equal a red, okay? It wasn't violent contact, so it's a one-match ban. Had he picked up two yellows in consecutive games to make it 10, then the game would have been a two, then it would have been a two-match ban. Correct. It's actually got off lightly because it resets, I think, after that. That's my understanding. Yeah, I, I, I didn't even know that, that rule even existed. Um while, whilst we're on the subject of players, okay, and I think, by the way, and I know you haven't finished your match review, I just want to pick up on a couple of things that we were talking about pre-show. Uh, and Decore making a stupid mistake, you could actually say that that's down to pressure. And you're right, Ian, we don't want him pulling out of those challenges. But I'm a bit concerned, something that's crossed my mind over the last couple of days, about the regression of a couple of our players in the last few months. And is it that they're not playing for the manager? Is it they don't like the positions? Are they playing in the wrong positions? And I'm going to, I'm going to kick off with two, if you don't mind. Uh, uh, Tyreek Mitchell, the obvious one, but I I feel that we're playing at the moment, he's an easy target. And I really do think it's too easy to say he's out of form, blah, blah, blah. Um, but the one I really wanted to talk about is uh, Eze. 
Now, Eze, when he is making a great contribution off the bench, and he's very effective when he comes off the bench, but the whole Palace fan base was crying out for him to start a game. Well, yesterday he started a game, and apart from the ball that he put through Wilf, I think he's struggling in that team. Jim, come to you first. Your thoughts, mate? Well, I didn't see the game, so I can't say he was struggling. Uh, Tyrant Mitchell. Tyrant's a better player when Wilf's playing on the left-hand side, definitely, because they link up well together and and Wilf get back and helps him a little bit. Uh, I don't. Did Edzy play wide on the left yesterday? Yeah. Yeah, so he wouldn't be helping Tyrant Mitchell that much. And any good fullback always is a good player in front of them to give them a bit of help. So, Eze will go to sleep. I mean, he's, he's great on the ball, but he will go to sleep and lose people, uh, ball watch a little bit. So, I think Tyrook, I don't think he's not playing as well as he can. I just don't think he's getting the help that he's had over the, the early in the season and, and last year. Because he, he is a good player. But, I mean, if you've got two and three players running around you, there's not a lot a full-back can do about it. He's got to pick one out, but he can deal with all three of them. And uh, I think that's his problem at the moment. And we give the ball away far too much. So he's pushing up a little bit, hoping that he can get into the other half and, and help us going forward to score. And we give and we give the ball away terrible. And, and probably lots of times he'll get caught out like that. And maybe that was probably the reason why he was so far up when uh, the fullback got down the line and, and crossed it without being challenged at all. And uh, Dawn Palace has just agreed with everything you just said. He, was, he wasn't helping out uh, Mitchell at all. Uh, Mark, Mark Callaghan saying, uh, as he keeps putting, being put out on the left, it's not his position. have to say he hides when it's not going very well. Uh, anybody else want to talk about Eze and his ineffectiveness in the games at the moment? I just think he lacks confidence a bit. I think he's just lacking confidence. Um, he's not getting that many starts. He did yesterday. Um, he looked better off the bench at Brentford. Obviously, he got his goal. But you know, I want to see the essay that we we saw in lockdown. We glided with the ball past players, you know. So. I, th- I think it might be psychological as well, Nick. I think that injury was, it was a terrible injury that he got. And maybe, you know, when he starts running for the ball, the first thing that springs into his head is, you know, is it going to pop again? Is it going to go? And having played football myself and had some pretty bad injuries, it does play on your mind. It can be sort of, you know, it's always there. It's always niggling. So I think that's probably part of the reason that Eze's playing like he is. I agree with Jim. I think Zaha's better on the left than Eze. And when Zaha's not there, so Mitch was more exposed. Um, I mean, that's that's pretty obvious most of the time. Um just going back to the decore, the tackle, I think that second yellow card, if he hadn't been booked already, I think that would have gone to VAR. And he may very well have got straight red for that because it, it looked nasty. Um, it did. And I thought for a moment in the in the ground, he was going to get away with it because the referee played advantage uh, initially because Villa still had the ball. Um, and they attacked and then they realised it wasn't going anywhere. So they end up kicking the ball out. And that's when the referee comes over. He went. He didn't. He didn't send him off straight away. He went and checked with the player that was on the deck first. Said, "You're all right, mate. You know, yeah, I'm okay." And then he got his cards out. So, yeah, he's experienced ref Craig Porson. So you can't argue. It's you know. Finish the match off in, and then we'll move on to some other stuff. Yeah. Okay. It's not a huge uh, amount more to say. To be fair, um, 
It's our third sending off this season. Um, I've already mentioned Wilf's uh, excellent effort, I thought, in the second half. Although there's an element of the fact that he was controlling it on the floor. It could have been handball um, if it had gone in the net. Um, towards the end, uh, McGinn had a good shot. Um, came in from their right and Vincent Guita was straight at him. You'd kind of think you'd expect him to save, but it was still a very good save. Um, I thought when we were down to 10, we, we actually looked a bit the better side towards the end. I don't know if you're watching the game on a stream, guys, or in the chat, what you think about that. But I thought we did um, we, we did okay. Um, and we just, you know, we made some changes, obviously, brought um, Jimmy Mack on. Um, somebody's already said in the chat, I think it was Ian Donald, who I was with yesterday. Um, it was a bit soul-destroying to watch Jimmy Mack, to be honest with you. I felt sorry for him because he was so much off the pace. There was one moment where he was tracking back, but he couldn't keep up. You know, he looked like a player like was playing well out of his depth um, and he's 35 years of age and I just felt really sorry for him. That's it. So off the pace when he had to chase back, he was soul destroying and watching it. Uh, the crowd did sing his name, um, but uh, I wouldn't start him. I think he's well, well short at the moment. And um, uh, it's a shame really because he's been such a great servant of the club. Um, the player that was missing yesterday I'd like to see, and maybe we could talk about this in a minute, was, was uh, Richards. Um, I, I'm not sure what he needs to do at the start. But these are the stats of the game, guys. Um, Villa bossed the stats 59%. They were the home side, obviously. Seven shots to our three. And there was one shot on target, that McGinn effort, in the whole game. So it just tells you what a poor game it was, really. And um, not much to say other than that. Um, and it was just a bad day at the office. You know, mm-hmm. it, and if... It wasn't on the back of no wins in eight. You just put it down to a bad day at the office and move on. But it was the kind of game we were sort of targeting to win, having, you know, got a good point against Liverpool last weekend. And, you know, and, and the points against Newcastle and Man United and so on. You think, actually, they are really good points. We've ground them out. And we saw today, Blimenek, Liverpool, you know, with that nil-nil looks a really good result after the day's result they've had. But... Mm. Um, you know, those games have been and gone and we've just got to look ahead now. And it's a it's a really tough run still with City up next and then the Brighton game um, and then Arsenal. Um, and then it gets a bit easier in theory, but all the teams we're going to be playing after that in April, a lot of them are playing for their lives as well. So I don't think it's going to get any easier, if I'm honest with you. So, okay, you know. so Crystal Palace are on their longest current winless run in the Premier League, failing to win in any of their... Uh, previous eight games in 2023, uh, drawn five, lost four. Their past, five of their past six games have been drawn, as we know, including each of their last previous three. It was the Eagles drawing more Premier League games than any other side since the start of the season, 24. Um, okay, so we're going to move it on a little bit because there is obviously a lot of discord, you know, discord around the, the club. Lots of people are saying the club is broken in every department, every level of the club, from the chairman, from these investors, to the supporters base, to the uh, to the players on the pitch. And of course, the biggest target, of course, is the manager. Um, we've, we've talked about a couple of individual players. One player I, I don't think has regressed and has actually, and especially he's, tracking back performance, and I would like to highlight it, is Elise. Elise was guilty, as guilty as Eze in previous games where he was getting caught and not helping out uh, defensively in any way, shape or form. There was a couple of occasions yesterday where I actually 
I was actually player watching him and I thought, you know what? He's actually starting to work hard now, bringing that to his game, which I think is a positive. Boys, what is wrong at the club? And Jim, I'm going to come to you first because somebody asked you a direct question in the chat and it simply said, Jim, are we going down? Uh, I wouldn't have thought so. But we're not in a position where we can say we're definitely going to stay up. I think because there's five or six clubs below us before you get to the bottom three, then that's a a huge advantage at the moment because there's a lot of clubs there. Plus our run after the next three games is probably about seven or eight games where, well, let's face it, if you don't do anything in them games, then you probably deserve to go down because they're all winnable games. They're all teams below us. I don't understand you. The club is cracked. and I mean, I don't read social media, Twitter, TikTok, all that shit. I can't be bothered with that because 99% of it is all pathetic comments from idiot people. Uh, I just... The club's going through a little bit of a bad time. You, you talk about the chairman. He's got new investors and then they, they're looking to buy other clubs. So... It's just normal for a premiership club, I suppose, at this time of the year when we're not winning games. There's always lots of comments, but you can't believe everything you read. Uh, it's just not true. Our clubs run quite well, I think. Uh, and a couple of wins will soon... I've lost him. Yeah, he change everything. So, no. You, you froze right at the last minute there. Jim, I'm going to thank you for that. Just a, I agree with everything you've just said, with the exception of the winnable games that are coming up. This is an exchange Ian Noble and myself had on one of our private chats this morning. And he was saying, you know, we're going to be fine. We've got, uh, yes, we've got a tough run of three games coming up. And we've had all the poor, the tough games before, which we drawn most of them and picked up some useful individual individual points. And yes, we have got three tough games coming up and some easier fixtures after that. However, yesterday was one of those games and we lost. So I'm still concerned a little bit. Greg, to you, mate, are are you concerned? Yeah, look, I think it would be naive to not feel concerned, but my, my glass is still half full. You know, I think we've had a very difficult run of fixtures. Um, look, you could argue that you've got to play everybody twice and then that that doesn't really matter. I think we're a different proposition to last season. Um, you know, overall, I was thinking about it earlier, you know, and, and I think I touched on it last week. We probably are the 12th best team in this division. And and what comes with that is we can only attract the play those players that, that you know, are going to fall out the, you know, the periphery of, of your sort of top 10, so to speak. So, you know, we are fighting it out amongst your sort of West Ham's, your Forests, your Southampton's. For all, we're all going for the same players. Um, yeah, we're five points off, off, off. You know, the re- a relegation place. And um, the, the way that I see it at the moment, if Palace were to drop into those spaces and relegated, I think it would it would actually be of our own making rather than than anything else. I do think there are three sides worse than Palace. Um, Palace aren't playing well, and by n- by no rights do we do we live at twelfth. You know we, we can drop, we can slip, um, but I, I'm 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 I think with Mateta, good save from Pope, 
hitting the bar. We've had a goal ruled off for VAR. I, I do think it will come. I think it's, it's a matter of patience. Uh, I also think the games that we've got coming up, sometimes you pick up a win where it's most unlikely. Now, I'm, I'm looking at the Brighton fixture and I'm thinking it's a cup final for them and for us. They're going well, but on the night, that, that sometimes that doesn't always work. You are going to look at the City and Arsenal games and you probably are going to favour those to pick up the wins. But, you, you, you know, we've, we've got a good point against Liverpool and you never know, we might get four points from those three games and it changes. So, you know, I, I'm not... I'm not. I'm not ultimately too negative about it. it. It could happen, but I don't think it will. Very interesting because I mean I know that I'm out on a limb here. There's four guys with me, all half full. I'm not so sure. Uh, Ian, you're willing to make a point, and then I'll come to you, Ferg. Yeah, just just carrying on the the conversation really. In as much as we've got to be concerned about the threat of relegation, five points is nothing. And we could well be in the bottom three or fourth or fifth from bottom after these next three games. That's a real possibility. So, you know, go into those games understanding that could happen. But someone's put in the chat, and it's, of course, I totally agree with this, we can win any game. On our day, we can win any game. Um, who's going to score the goals? We're not sure at the moment, you know. But we've got the players to, to score goals. We're just not doing it at the moment. Um, I think we've got to look at the home games you know, Liverpool, Newcastle, Man United at home, all draws. Why can't we get a point against City? Why can't we actually beat City? Yeah, they'll be thinking about Champions League. You know, they've got a, actually they've got an interesting week ahead of the Man City because they haven't got a midweek game this week. Normally they're playing a cup match in midweek. And Pep Guardiola was interviewed and he said, What are you going to do? I oh, will have a couple of days off, he said. So, how's that going to affect them? That could be an advantage to us. They come in a couple of days off, a bit relaxed. Um, who knows? And uh, maybe I'm just clutching at straws a little bit here. But, you know, let, let's go into this Man City game thinking we're going to win it. Because if we don't, then what's the point? of t- Why turn up even? You know, we, we've got to show more fight. I think one of the things that's concerning people is that teams below us are picking up wins. So Southampton won yesterday. You know, um, uh, I'm trying to think. Yeah, other teams are winning games as well down the bottom there. Well, but, but we're just not doing that at the moment. And I think just that one win will, will you know, will take the pressure off everybody, you know, but it, we've got to get it sooner rather than later. I just think... Me, like, and me included, Ferg, I'm coming to you now, me included, yeah. because I'll be honest with you, once we do get that one win, I'm sure my mood will turn into what your, you four are like at the moment. All four of you are glass half full. Like I said... Ferg, we're on 27 points with what we've got left. 12 or 13 games. We've taken five points from our last 10 games. On that form, we'll get six or seven points. With that, that it will take us to 33 strokes, 34 points at the end of the season. Are you not worried? That, that's relegation. If we, don't, if we don't get 38, we're relegated. I would say right. so, this season. Yeah, so, so to answer that question, so I'll, I'll put a slightly different slant on it. If, if we get four wins between now and the end of the season, which is very possible, you, you look who we've got to play. We've got Leicester at home, Everton at home, West Ham at home, Bournemouth at home, Forest at home. We've got Leeds away, Southampton away, Wolves away, Fulham away. They're all, they're all winnable games. Brighton, OK, they're one form, but we do normally beat them at the Amex. So, you know, let's be positive. I agree, Man City, Arsenal, tough games, but we can get something from them. But if we won four games, that's 12 points. That's 37 points. 
the current teams, the four teams in the bottom, are on. They've played 25 games. Um, they've won five. I think Southampton have won six. They need to win six games between now and the end of the season. There's only 13 games left, 12 for Everton. They have to win six of those games to finish above us in the table. They've played 25 and they've only managed to win five. So I can't see... The teams will have a purple patch and there will one or two games. And there's no doubt that we will drop down the table at some point. But I think over the next sort of 13 games, we'll pick up four, five wins, three wins and two draws, whatever it might be. But it'll be enough. It'll be enough to stay up. I've got to tell you, that's why you're on the show. And you've made me feel a damn sight better, mate. Well done. Greg? I'm going with Darren Bullock here. Um, from the games that you've just mentioned um, and the run that we're on, I... I don't want to be disrespectful to other teams and call them winnable games. But I, I the only way I can really phrase it is, you know, you're quite right. The, the, we've got to play the bottom three, you know, amongst others that are hovering above the trapdoor. So by statistics, you would that would sort of suggest that they are the games that you have look, are looking to win. You know, I, I think we'll pull one out the bag against City or Arsenal potentially. We'll probably lose a couple. You think we might win. But I can I see three wins and three draws, and I think we're scraping it at thirty nine points. I, I I think we're going to sail really dangerously close. But I I think there's just enough in this team this season to to just literally just get their nose you know on stewards' inquiry. We, we've so, only lost. Uh, we've only sure lost four. Sorry, Nick. Go on. Make make sure you read the comments in the chat, mate, because they're aimed at you. They're positive. Oh, are they? And they're, they're saying. Uh, there's too much doom and gloom around the club. And well said, that man, talking about what All you right, were just good. saying. I came yeah. into this show, you boys, I came into this show with one word or one name in my head when I started this show at eight o'clock. And the word was Oldham. That's how this <laughs> season, that, that's how this man. season was feeling to me that it's panning out. Convince me, Jim, I'm coming to you first. You remember the Oldham scenario. You were there, okay? Tell me that I'm wrong. You weren't was playing, then, Jim. You'd given up long, long ago. No, you weren't playing, but you, you, were, you were watching. So you know what happened, Oldham. What year was it, Ian? 93 or 4. Is that, is that when we get relegated with a lot of points? <laughs> yeah, we, we were safe with three games to safe. go. Well, we thought we were safe. We, we beat Ipswich at Selhurst. Then we drew with Man City. And then we lost to Arsenal. And then Oldham won their last three games, including against, I think, a Liverpool team that were riding high. And yeah, beat us on yeah, yeah. or something. Yeah. 93. Paul Bristow knows. He knows everything. I think the important thing to point out there is that four teams went down that season. And, you know, we just happened to be the fourth occupant. So, you know, ordinarily we would have survived. But, but, but one of the things that is said in the chat from a number of people is, uh, so, you know, if we do stay up and we, we scrape it, you know, we accepting that? Of course we're not accepting that. You know, we, we, we don't want to be where we are. We're the 10th longest serving team in the Premier League at the moment. We shouldn't be looking over our shoulder like this. We should be pushing up into the top half of the table, for sure. Um, if, if Southampton, Everton or West Ham get relegated, that pushes us up that table. You know, they've been in the Premier League longer than we have. 
So, you know, if all three of them went down, suddenly we're the seventh longest serving team in the Premier League, which is a nonsense stat, isn't it? Crazy. Yeah, I'll, give you another, I'll give you another positive, of course, is that we we went into this shit run of fixtures uh, where we got all those draws in 12th place. And guess what? We're still in 12th place. So it's not all doom and gloom. Um, <laughs> sorry about the language. Uh, it's not all doom and gloom. Uh, but it's... I've... I've been concerned over the last 48 hours, especially when I saw the performance. The game, as Ian rightly pointed out, was a disappointing game. It was a poor game, but it was a winnable game. Um, Ian, let's, we're going to wrap it up shortly, but let's give me, give me some positives. Um, normally I've thought about this, but I'm struggling, I think, a little bit. Um, yeah, um, come come back to me. Come back to me. Get us some little. Few. I've got a few. Go on, then. So, so I think financially we're on sound ground. I think you know we've got lots of players coming up um, where the contracts are ending. Um, like we spoke before the show, it's it's twenty six point eight million. We'll be we will be dropping off the wage bill. Um, now we've got plenty of youngsters coming through um, that can take their places, the Raksakis of the world, Killian Phillips, Michael Abui, Kofi Barmer, David Ozo. These, they're, all, they're all really, really good players that could potentially break into the first team next season. We don't have to spend any money. And then we've got the grounds refurbishment. We've got the new sort of main stand going to be built, hopefully, if everything goes to plan this year. Um, so th things are on the up, you know. We're, um, our under-18s are absolutely smashing most teams we were unlucky against Spurs yesterday. Two nil up. We had a player sent off. Then we conceded four goals. But but generally, our our youth teams are performing really really well. And we've got we've got a lot to look forward to. I think we just need to be a little bit patient. Everyone wants everything right now, and it doesn't work like that. You've got to take your time. But we're in a good place. Um, you won't win nothing with kids. Someone said once. Oh well. <laughs> it's funny because um, Patrick Vieira. I think he referred to it yesterday after the Villa game, saying it's a young team and, and we need to be patient with them. But the average age was 27 years, I think, yesterday. So it's, it's not young, young, you know. But, yeah, I, I, I think we've got, um, we've, we've got a lot to look forward to. We'll, we'll stay up. We'll win enough games to stay up. OK, we're not going to finish above Brighton, which is going to be a bit of a um, pain. But, you know, as long as we stay in the Premier League... We get this new stand built. We bring some of the youth through. Happy days. Do you know what? I thought my glass was half full until Fergus came on. I mean, that is so positive, mate. You know, that's unbelievable. Um, I, I think you're right to highlight the academy and the youth teams, but there is a long, long way between playing that level and playing Premier League football. You know, we send players out on loan. Like Scotty Banks scored a very good goal for Bradford City. You know, we've seen Raksaki rip it up for Charlton in League One. You know, yeah. some of the players that we think are, are pretty good, like John Kamani Gordon, can't even get in the Carlisle team at the moment. He's on the bench every week. So I don't think it's quite as rosy as, as we're sort of making out there. But I sort of get your point. Um, okay. that we have got a lot of young teams. Think... Other teams have as well. You know, if you look at other academies, they're probably almost as good as ours. So, I yeah. want to speak a couple of minutes, if we can, on the manager. Okay. Now, I know that I'm dealing with four half-glass full blokes here. Okay. But... How's he now progressing? How's the manager taking us forward? Is he getting the best out of our players? Is he coaching our players well enough? Uh, 
Jim, you first, please, because of your experience. Uh, yeah, I'm more than pleased with Patrick Vieira. Uh, he's, uh, he's a young manager. He's still learning his trade in the Premiership. This is only his second season there. Uh, you were all raving about him the first season. Second season is slightly harder. The team isn't as good. Uh, he would have probably liked more input from more players from the board in the summer and maybe even in January, uh, which he didn't get. I mean, when he first came, there was a lot of players come in. The second season, when you think, I always remember Liverpool kept, kept winning the league. And at the end of each season, they go out and spend another five million on better players. Now, he can't do that. So we finished, what, mid-table last year? 12th, 11th, 12th last season? So you would expect that you would go out and improve that team by spending a lot more money. But we didn't do it. We didn't bring anybody in of any... I mean, De Curry, I think, is the only one I can remember that's actually playing on a regular basis. Uh, so it's, it's hard for them. It's, uh, it's a, a very, very challenging league. Um, but he's, I think he's done a good job. I, I don't think he's got the backing that he would have probably have liked. And I think the only worry with somebody like Patrick Vieira is not whether we'll go down, is whether he would leave if he's not going to get the backing that he... He's a big personality and he would probably expect a little bit more. But he won't grump about it because he's a very humble guy and he'll just go on with what he's got. Um and, He'll be all right. We'll be all right. I mean, Berg said that very well. Uh, we we will not go down. We're going to win three, four games. We're going to draw another two or three games for the end of the season. So we're going to be all right. There's a little bit more doom and gloom about than I. That I've, the only doom and gloom I've had is when I come on and listen to you lot. <laughs> Do you know why, don't you? You know why? Because you're not on social media, Jim. That's why. That's oh, yeah, but because I don't listen to people that don't know what they're talking about, I've got no problem with life. Yeah. My life's great because I don't listen to all the shit. Very good. Do you, I, do you, you said one thing there that sort of grated a little bit. You said Liverpool went out and spent money when they were winning the league. Um, Patrick Vieira can't do that. Why can't he do it? Because Brentford spend money. Brighton Fulham. spend money, Fulham spend money. Those three clubs have been in the Premier League less time than Crystal Palace, and they're all above us in the league and all doing rather well. Um, so yeah, I don't, I don't want to see us be a team like Leeds or even a Chelsea. Dare I say that? Where you're spending stupid amounts of money and you're not improving. But there's got to be something wrong with our scouting system somewhere because if Brian can go and get players from South America and turn them into Premier League um, class acts, then why can't we? Why can't we do that? Yeah, I, I agree with you there. I mean, I've said it the other week. How come Brentford and Fulham and Brighton can go out when Brighton, Casido, they paid about three million for them, 21 years of age, and they turned down 70 million a few months ago. I mean, he's, we come from Ecuador. We, don't we go that far to scout players? I don't know. I, when you look at exactly what you've said, them three teams in particular, and the players that are playing are people that I've not necessarily heard of. 
everybody always thinks, oh, you've got to go and buy somebody that's well-known. No, these have been obviously scouted very well. They've checked them over a million times mm. and brought them to this country. And, the, and loads of players in M3 teams I've not heard of a year ago. And, and they all look good. So, yes, I would agree with you there. There is something wrong somewhere. Yeah, it, it, it doesn't work everywhere. You know, Forrester, you know, I think they're probably going oh, to start as well. But they've spent a shitload, haven't they? You know, ridiculous yeah. number of players. But Bournemouth as well. I, yeah, the financial Bournemouth. fair play is going to catch up with some of these clubs. I think they're taking a gamble on some of the players they're buying. I mean, Brighton, obviously, they, they've made quite a lot of money, so they can afford to do that. But the Brentfords and the Bournemouths of the world can't. And if it doesn't pay off, they're going to be in trouble. They are. But, you know, I, I come back to the Brighton thing. I think I think we're, you're right. I think the fact that Brighton are doing so well, when did they start doing so well, um, does great a lot as a Palace fan. And, you know, if they can go and find these bargain players, Matoba costs three million, for example, then why can't we? Doogie Friedman needs to earn his money, doesn't he? You know, yeah, and, I, the, and the and Paris needs to. I if it's, I it's not happening. He needs to do something about it. Surely, I he, think they he, had their, their Brighton had their academy in place earlier than we did. I think so. I mm. think they had their infrastructure in place before us. So we are mm. playing catch up with them. Although right. it might not feel like that. But. Greg, you wanted to make a point. Yeah, um, I just wanted to ask, ask you know, the wider audience and everyone, do, do you think there's any truth in that some of these players that are, as we say, scouted from further afield, do you think some players are actually signed off of statistics rather than actually sending someone out to watch them? Yeah. Question That's how it's done nowadays. Yeah. I always and remember I Mark, Mark Bright sent to me a few years ago. He says, if you'd have been playing today, you'd have been playing for a much bigger club. He said, because when I played with you, you won all your headers, you won all your tackles, you never get caught out of position. He said, so that would have just been put in numbers and people would have looked at that. They wouldn't have come and looked at you. because And he's part of the setup there. And he said, they don't look at players anymore. It's all figures, all figures. And, and I look at that like you, you could be looking at centre-half and he's passed the ball 100 times out of 100 perfect passes but if you don't look at them them 100 passes was back to his goalkeeper so yeah, and that's what a lot of them, you know Anderson and Gahey great centre-halves I'm not looking at them but a lot of the time that's what they're doing you know yeah. they really well, are passing they want another half the time but yeah it's pretty pretty but you know what? boys look at the time we're going to have to move it on um, I want to finish off last last question and ladies and gentlemen we've got the ledge Jim Cannon on our show regularly how lucky are we Jimbo more positivity, please. Next three games, so it's City, Brighton, and Arsenal. What do we? How many points are we going to get out of those three games? Uh, three points, and Fair maybe, enough. maybe, a, maybe a draw against uh, one of the top teams. I mean, we have drawn against some good teams at home. So, uh, but yeah, I think Brighton's probably the one that you would say, even though they're flying, that you could get three points. Because of our record there, but uh, other than that, it's a really, it's a really hard three games for us. So I mean, no such thing. Put that slide back up, Greggy, please, mate. There's no such thing anymore as a 3 p.m. Saturday kickoff. Um, there you go. So Palace, Man City, half past five on Saturday. Brighton and Crystal Palace, half past seven on a Wednesday, and Arsenal, Crystal Palace, two o'clock on a Sunday. Uh, for all of us that are going down to Brighton on that uh, Wednesday evening on the 15th of March. 
good luck with your travel because uh, I still don't know how I'm going to get down there. I don't know what the trains are going to be like. It's going to be a bloody nightmare. And of course, then we'll get kettled in and all shoved on one train back to East Croydon, no doubt, by the wonderful Sussex police who we know are lying, scummy bastards. Okay. Uh, you need the other side again, Greg. Um, <laughs> right, okay. Uh, Ian, your thoughts, please, on those three games, your points tally. Yeah, I'm going for um, three points as well. Um, I, I just, I don't sound stupid sitting on the fence, but I can see us drawing all three games. We've got a good record at, at Arsenal away. We haven't lost there for a long time, about four years. Um, we haven't lost at the, at the um, Amex for about four years either. Um, City at home, maybe two points. Maybe City will beat us. I don't know. So I, I think we'll get a couple of draws, maybe three. Thank you. Um, in the chat, what do you think? How many points are we going to get? See, Richard just said four points. Ferg, your prediction, please, for those three games. And no, you can't say 15 points, Mr. Super Positive. <laughs> no, I think a uh, draw at City, a win away at Brighton. I think Arsenal is going to be a difficult one. They're going for the title. So I'll go four points. Although I have got tickets for Brighton and Arsenal. So I'm hoping against all hope that we do get something positive from those two games. You mean you're coming to an away game or two? Yeah, oh. yeah. Ooh. I'm allowed now. I've been oh. allowed. I've been let off the leash. <laughs> oh, I want a pint of whatever Lee Lockwood is drinking because he said nine points. We just had to score a couple of braces. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well done, Lee. Love you. Love your humour. Greg? It's rubbing off. <laughs> well, you know, you know, you've got to look at it. It is possible to get nine points. But, you know, the reality is, um, I, I, I think there's a mistake in, I don't know which way around it's going to go, but I think there could be a mistake in City or Arsenal. And, and I, I've just I just got this feeling we might win 1-0 and it would be a really poor game. And, and I, it's going to, I think it would be City or Arsenal. I, I don't, I can't, I, whoever we beat, the other team's going to go off to win the league. I think we'll get a draw at Brighton. I think it might be a Dow and 0-0. I, I really think that. I think they they're not they're in a position where they don't want to lose. They're in a position where they they want to get to a cup semi final. You know, I, I do think that um, I think I think they might shut. You know, there might be a, like an unwritten rule here where we get the nil nil, uh, and and then yeah, obviously that leaves either losing to Arsenal or City, like I said at the beginning. So I think there's four points. You did say at the beginning pre-show that uh, we're going to score a goal off the back of Mateta's arse at some point. So maybe it'll be one of those two games. I actually predict that we're going to get two points, we get two draws and a loss out of it. So um, there you go. Um, boys, thank you so much. Greg, thank you for producing. Nigel, thank you for your preparation work in the background. Also, Tom Clark Samuels, thank you for all your work on Instagram. Um, Jim, as always, mate, I don't know when you're down for the next one. I haven't uh, asked you yet. Have you got any dates? No, I'm not coming back on because you keep swearing. <laughs> well, I wonder where I learned it all from, though. Some Glaswegian geezer I spend a lot of time with. Ian Noble, as always, mate, can't do it without you. Thank you. And Fergus T, this will not be the last time. Do you understand me? Good, good. I enjoyed it. Thanks for having me. Thank you very much. Ladies and gentlemen, show some appreciation in the chat, please, for Ferg. I think he's done a cracking job for his first show. Um, thank you for everybody who joined us this evening. We will be back again at the same time next Sunday where we will be reviewing... Is it one? It's only one game, isn't it? It's just a City game, isn't it? City. Yeah, and, uh, and I, I believe I'm in the chair again. Blimey, you're going to have to put up with him again. On behalf of everybody connected with Red and Blue Review, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for joining us. We'll see you again soon. Stay safe, everybody. And love to you, Mittal. Ferg, stay where you are a minute. Good night, everyone. <laughs>